And for our news briefing, we're pleased to be joined here in the studio by Kang Jae-eun. Hello to you. Uh, good morning, Henry. Good morning. Happy Children's Day. Yes, happy Children's Day. I'm not a child anymore. Well, but you, you yeah. are so young, it's sometimes uh, hard to uh, kind of uh, distinguish between uh, someone who's, of course, a uh, uh, working professional like yourself <laughs> and someone who's younger. But uh, I really only mention that because it is a holiday and you are joining us. So uh, we definitely appreciate uh, all the extra work that you're doing. Thank you. I'll here. take that as a compliment. <laughs> well, um, we have to uh, start with something I guess is good news. Uh, again, uh, you look young, but you're not a student anymore. Mm-hmm. But there are millions of Koreans who... who are, of course, either parents of kids or kids who have been uh, perhaps itching to get back to school or other kids who are maybe dreading the day that they have to go back to school because of this extended vacation that they've been uh, enjoying. But as we've been enjoying these uh, daily numbers that have been trending in a promising direction, it has now uh, come to the education ministry's attention that perhaps it is time to cautiously get things going again with kids actually physically going to school. Uh, before we get into more details of this, let's actually hear a clip from the education minister, Yoon Hae. Pangyok-Tangukai-Hobby-Kyolgwa-Bonkyok-Jogin-Deda-Su-Hak-Seng-Eh-Tungyo-Suobun-Uwol-Yonyu-Gigan-Fu-Eh-Cheso-Sips
slowly, sequentially down to the younger kids. But that's actually not the case here. We're, we're talking about the seniors first. Mm-hmm. And then next, you're going to have the, the really small kids. Right. And then uh, you'll have like sort of the, the middle-aged kids and then the sort of uh, middle school and then kind of slightly older kids all coming in. It, it's slightly con- confusing, I have to, I have to say, because I'm the uh, father of two boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the oldest is in third grade mm-hmm. and the uh, youngest is in um, kindergarten. So the kindergarten guy is going to actually uh, go first, uh, apparently, uh, with, with what this guideline is uh, right, recommending. Right. Okay, but we don't have a uh, sort of um, situation. I know that a lot of people are tired of hearing this. It's almost kind of sounding like nagging, but we're definitely not out of the woods yet, and there's always a risk of another cluster infection, especially when we're talking about millions of kids all gathering mm-hmm. in very close quarters. So if there is a cluster infection um, that occurs in schools, considering the nature of these uh, uh, rooms where the kids are fairly close together, they eat together, um, the government has actually come up with an action plan to prevent some of these uh, scenarios? Right, uh, that is very true. They actually did come up with an action plan, and they said they've practiced it multiple times. Um, to work like you know, clockwork when actual infection happens. So um, all teachers at, at the school will be given a role and will be led by the school's health teacher or the school's resident nurse. So to kind of um, boil down what will, go, what will happen according to this action plan, so, uh, so if there is a sick student um, uh, found or reported by a classroom teacher, they're mandated to wear a mask and also the class will be ventilated, everyone will be washing their hands with mm-hmm. a hand sanitizer, mm-hmm. and the student will be moved to a temporary monitoring room uh, prepared inside the school and they'll also have to maintain a two-meter distance with teachers and other uh, people involved in the process. They'll go through an uh, epidemiology um, investigation as well to see who uh, the sick patient might have contacted. And, and this will also apply to any student with, uh, who have like a body temperature higher than 37.5 degrees. And schools will be advised to switch back to online classes Uh, if they have a sick uh, student. However, uh, one major concern that uh, is concerning a lot of health officials is the lack of school health teachers, uh, especially Mm -hmm. because actually one out of five schools in Korea, and that includes elementary to um, schools for special uh, students for special needs, they don't actually have a resident school nurse who should be heading this whole operation Mm -hmm. if uh, if a patient uh, is found in the school. And actually in certain regions outside of Seoul, Uh, the numbers can actually go higher. So that is also a concern. But the action plan is still there. The action plan is still there. Uh, It does highlight, again, the regional imbalance that we Mm -hmm. often suffer from in the country, where uh, maybe most of the uh, Seoul and surrounding area schools are well-equipped. But unfortunately, that's not the case for the uh, rural schools. That being said, and I know that there are still going to be some concerns, there are still going to be some parents that are going to be slightly worried about uh, having their kids and, and the safety of all of this. Uh, We have to say overall, and it's been justified by all this media reporting uh, from overseas, that uh, Korea has done uh, one of the better jobs, if not the best job, in uh, containing this pandemic uh, throughout the world, uh, looking at South Korea as a model now. And you can attribute that to the uh, early response and also the the effective way uh, Korea uh, went about with its testing and its contact tracing. So the international spotlight certainly on Korea for how they have 
weathered the storm. And so there's a lot of international interest in this. And mm-hmm. uh, apparently a, a webinar was held recently on this topic. Could you tell us what was discussed? Right. So a webinar was held by the Government Task Force for International Cooperation of Disease Control uh, on Monday. And they actually uh, kind of share the know-how and the experience that they uh, took to kind of curb the spread of the virus. And one of the uh, measures that were that got a lot of attention was Korea's uh, large capacity to Uh, you know, conduct diagnostic tests related to coronavirus. In fact, uh, as of Monday, there were about 630,000 tests that were conducted for these patients. Mm. And um, that was kind of, that kind of grabbed attention as one of the biggest contributors uh, for Korea's success in um, containing the virus. And other, uh, you know, uh, success, uh, success contributors, as you mentioned, are like contact tracing and some what uh, the measures that some people might would call as pretty invasive, you know, uh, to kind of um, keep monitoring the the movements of these patients as well. Right. There have been some comments that uh, maybe in a country like the United States or certain certain countries in Europe, the idea that uh, a phone app is going to track your uh, location through GPS and that your credit card transactions are all going to be poured through and that there are going to be CCTV cameras on every block that will uh, look at where you're going, uh, that they might think that uh, that is going a step too far. But... uh, That debate aside, it has proven to be effective in terms of at least uh, uh, stemming the tide of the the virus and the outbreak. But apart from the efforts that you just mentioned, we can't stress enough, again, that uh, it really takes all four pillars, uh, the Mm -hmm. government, the health officials, uh, the the workers on the ground, and then obviously the people themselves and the voluntary nature of people willing to abide by these guidelines. And you have to credit uh, Koreans for their willingness to uh, first engage in social distancing, but also their willingness to wear face masks at all times whenever they're outside. Uh, You and I, when we come into this Mm -hmm. uh, building, uh, Mm -hmm. we're not allowed in unless we're actually uh, covered in a face mask. So that helps prevent infections. I think the science has now been pretty clear, despite some confusion in Western countries over uh, the guidelines on that. The thing, though, is it's uh, starting to get warm. It's a little chillier today, but yesterday was quite hot. Mm -hmm. And uh, you notice that it starts to get a little bit uh, sweaty and muggy with the Mm -hmm. mask on. And so less people are following that advice now. And that's a little bit of a concern. Right. Uh, you know, we've been seeing the daytime high starts to hover around 20 to 25 degrees. And yes, less people are trying to, you know, wear a mask. And mm. they're also kind of laxed about the ease yeah. social distancing. And that is uh, something that concerns health authorities these days. While they have switched to an everyday life quarantine, they've stressed that mask is essential, as you mentioned, to preventing the virus spread, especially through those who do not show symptoms. So actually, recently, experts have advised to least uh, at least wear a cotton mask if you don't have a kf94 if you're or if you're not willing to wear a kf94 a kf or 80 mask so the the idea being that the cotton mask although Mm. by most accounts maybe a little bit less effective in preventing spread uh, at least is better than nothing but uh, is a bit more breathable i guess they say Mm -hmm. cotton has a fabric and and so that might have a little bit more of a comfort factor when once the weather is getting warmer and warmer uh we are going to switch gears now and uh, talk Talk about North Korea. Uh, We had uh, this uh, exchange of gunfire between the two Koreas in the uh, demilitarized zone Sunday. We talked about it briefly yesterday as well. So it's been found that the uh, the North fired at least four rounds, which hit a uh, South Korean 
guard post in the DMZ. Mm-hmm. So on Sunday, a, a lot of the details weren't confirmed because that happened on Sunday. Yeah. But on Monday, uh, some of the details have been confirmed by uh, the Joint Chief of Staffs and also the military officials. So uh, the bullets fired by North Korea appear to have been a caliber of 14.5 millimeters, according to reports uh, by the Joint Chief of Staffs that's, uh, that was submitted to the Parliamentary Defense Committee head, a n g y u b e k And um, the bullets uh, likely came from a Soviet-made heavy machine gun that's actually commonly used by North Korea as anti-aircraft Uh, weapons and also was been used uh, by uh, officials of uh, the communist leader Kim Jong-un to execute officials um, as Mm. well. But this type of bullet is also known to have been used in multiple military provocations uh, by the North. So in October 2010, they also fired the same bullets to guard posts located in Hwacheon in Gangwon province and also at a shootout as well in Yeoncheon, Gyeonggi province in July 2003 as Well, but there has been some disagreements uh, regarding the actual motive uh, behind this whole uh, bullet firing. Um, the Joint Chief of Staff actually mentioned that the incident was accidental because the, it's kind of common practice to have the guns pointed at the South Korean guard post. However, some experts seem to disagree considering the range and the number of bullets that were fired mm-hmm. on Sunday. Um, Korea uh, has uh, apparently uh, requ- uh, requested some complaints and asked. Ask for an official explanation. However, North Korea have not um, uh, answered, uh, gave an official answer. And there will be an investigation by the UN command, which actually oversees compliance with the armistice, um, to see if this, if this was a violation of the agreement. And the results will be compli- compiled in a report to be sent to both Korea's governments. Uh, we, meanwhile, the opposition bloc is taking to issue with the government and the ruling Democratic Party's attitude towards the incident. claiming that they're playing down the incident as an unintended one when they should be strongly lodging complaints to the North and demanding an apology. Right. So we've had provocations in the past, uh, as as you point out, uh, with North Korea firing rounds uh, into South Korea. Uh, We've also had instances where there was a fire and exchange, and Mm -hmm. then later Pyongyang did say, well, look, uh, that was actually unintentional. We Mm -hmm. we regret. The problem here right now is that uh, Pyongyang has stayed quiet throughout all of this, so their intentions are uh, explicitly not known now, although the Joint Chiefs seems to be indicating that they believe it's unintentional. The opposition, of course, uh, will be uh, critical, saying that uh, you're downplaying this. They might have some serious um, security concerns and uh, and worry about the the well-being of of Koreans and the soldiers there, but they also might be uh, thinking that uh, they have two members of their party right now, uh, two uh, former North Korean defectors who have uh, recently been elected who are in the middle of a firestorm right Right, now with those claims with Kim Jong-un, so it Mm -hmm. does seem like a nice distraction uh, kind of tactic as well. Uh, Speaking of, that's always the case with politics, Mm -hmm. right? And so we'll talk about that now. Uh, The National Assembly, they are preparing now to start their uh, 21st term, although they are still technically in the uh, 20th term, and it's kind of a question of whether we'll see any additional legislation uh, before this term ends. But uh, that also means that there needs to be new leadership, at least for the two main uh, 
rival parties as it stands right now. They will be the only two parties uh, with negotiating power Mm -hmm. as blocks in parliament. So the ruling Democratic, as well as the main opposition, UFP, the United Future Party, they're going to elect new floor leaders this week, uh, essentially playing the role as the the main negotiators, as well as whipping the members into uh, votes for legislation. So uh, give us the backdrop of what we're looking at. Sure. Uh, So the election will start off with uh, the ruling Democratic Party, which uh, seized the landslide victory this general election, you know, securing about 163 seats um, at the uh, General Assembly. And they will be holding its floor leadership election first on Thursday. So the representatives uh, from the Democratic Party are Representative Kim Tae-yeon, Jeon Hae-chul, and Jung Sung-ho, uh, they've declared their bids. And Kim and Jeon, they're known to be pro-moon lawmakers. Mm-hmm. So they would need at least 82 votes to become the new floor leader. And considering that a lot of the, uh, the lawmakers or DP are like newly elected lawmakers, uh, so their votes will be very important to decide the right. winner. And uh, tomorrow, the DP, the DP will also hold a joint speech session for the first-term lawmakers-elect. And the candidates are expected to deliver their speeches there. So uh, uh, for the case of the United Future Party, they will hold its floor leader election on Friday, not Thursday. Mm. And um, as of Monday, there are three lawmakers that declare their bids. So Representative Chu Ho-young, Kim Tae-hum, and Im Young-soo, they've registered their candidacy. But more are likely to join the race as well. Yeah, and so... We have on the DP side, uh, we have three lawmakers, veteran lawmakers. Uh, you mentioned Kim Tae-yeon and Jeon Hae-chul being the, uh, the pro-moon mm-hmm. side. Uh, Kim Tae-yeon, I guess, is kind of wearing the branding of I'm the strong, really pro-moon. I, I'm really close with the uh, current chairman, uh, Lee Hae-chan. Uh, Jeon Hae-chul is kind of more positioning themselves. I'm the OG, I'm the original mm-hmm. pro-moon right. guy because the of the, th- the three-chul uh, period. And then Jung Sung-ho, who's maybe not considered uh, pro-moon. He's not really considered anti-moon. There's really no and there's no faction anymore right. because everybody is essentially <laughs> on the side of the president as it stands right now in the ruling party on the uh, opposition party side Chu Young Kim Tae-yong and Im Young-soo this is going to be interesting because Chu Young has expressed some support for Kim Jong-in to become the mm-hmm. emergency committee chairman whereas uh, Kim Tae-hyun has uh, strongly been uh, on the record as saying that this is not the right direction to go so that leadership race it really will uh, determine the fate of uh, the question of who's going to lead that party and whether it's going to be an emergency committee and whether it's going to be Kim Jong-un or not. In the backdrop to all of that, we have uh, another person who is on the outside looking in uh, as it stands right now with the National Assembly, An Chul-su, a very familiar name to uh, a lot of people who uh, follow politics and to uh, some people who don't follow politics. (laughs) He's the chairman of the minor opposition People's Party. Uh, Mm -hmm. They uh, maybe did not have as successful a parliamentary election. They only got three seats mm-hmm. into uh, the National Assembly. But he's trying to wield some of his own influence right now, and uh, he seems to have made a bit of an interesting request or a proposal to the entire opposition bloc. Right. So his proposal was to open a joint evaluation meeting uh, among opposition parties, apart from the uh, Democratic Party, uh, regarding the general election. So he actually mentioned this yesterday uh, at his first meeting with his party members, uh, saying, 
saying that uh, this uh, this is a way to kind of build the public's trust for the opposition parties and to kind of compete with the ruling uh, Democratic Party in an innovative way, uh, he coined it. And um, some actually did speculate his request as a gesture to kind of unite all of these opposition Mm. parties together, although he did comment that the current challenges the opposition bloc face cannot be resolved by a simple merger and that the bloc as a whole needs to undergo a fundamental change. And some members of the United Future Party did welcome his request, but also said that they're going to take a cautious approach in actually going through this whole merger. Right. So we will see if that uh, proposal is accepted. Uh, Let's talk the, let's talk uh, economics now. A couple of weeks ago, President Moon Jae-in unveiled the uh, Korean New Deal. This is trying to overcome the economic fallout uh, from the coronavirus outbreak. The finance minister now said that detailed plans will be announced by June at the earliest. Can you give us details? So uh, under this uh, initiative, the Moon administration actually plans to create a stabilization fund of 40 trillion won and create about 500,000 new jobs. And it said it will invest about 10.1 trillion won as emergency funds for job stability. Um, That includes a lot of like subsidies for companies to maintain employees and also a fund of about 1.5 million won for, um, you know, people who have lost their jobs but aren't covered by the uh, employment insurance. And so uh, this was mentioned uh, yesterday at a a leadership meeting with um, the Deputy Prime Minister uh, Hong, uh, Hong Nam-gi, and he said that he will come up with special measures to boost domestic demand, consumption, and also normal economic activities as soon as possible. Right. So overall, the uh, current administration wants to strengthen Social Security and is floating the idea of a nationwide employment insurance? Right, and this was mentioned by the Labor Minister Lee Jae-gap yesterday, and he said that the ministry will put a lot of effort to revise the employment insurance law so that it can protect workers of all kinds. But a lot of critics did point out that the plan to be a bit unrealistic without any additional uh, funds uh, because the employment insurance fund is also cl- almost close to drying up. And, and actually, it does uh, prove by numbers. So as of March, the funds spend more about 2.4 trillion won for job-seeking benefits, which already caused about 100 billion won deficit, according to local reports. And the loss is expected to even grow further uh, because they haven't accounted the uh, the funds that uh, the the allowances that sh- is expected to be given out um, after the coronavirus. Um, so, according to a report submitted by the Labor Ministry to a lawmaker of the UFP, uh, the uh, the accumulated uh, fund at the employment insurance fund amounts to about 7.2 trillion won, and that's about 100 billion won loss compared to um, uh, to the same period last year. And uh, the the concern is that the record of amount that is given out as job seeking allowance is increasing every month mm. this year. Uh, it started off by 730 billion won in January, and almost close to 900 billion won wow. in March. Well, uh, I just want to briefly uh, talk about about this uh, final story uh, just because our, our lovely writer had worked so hard to amend the uh, script here. There were a cluster of earthquakes uh, 55 times hitting uh, Henam, South Chola province. Uh, small in scale, about magnitude uh, 2.0, but certainly a, a jittery situation uh, for the residents there. We're going to have to uh, leave it there, but Chen, thank you once again for filling in on this holiday and hope to see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you.